The following episode may contain material that some listeners may find triggering or disturbing and may not be suitable for younger audiences, including depictions of sexual assault, violence, and suicide. Listener discretion is advised. You're worth it, regardless. It doesn't matter what your finances look like. It doesn't matter what kind of car you drive, where you live. It doesn't matter if you're on welfare. It doesn't matter if you got a million baby daddies. God said you deserve these children, and he had to get them to you the way that he had to get them to you. But you are worth it. It doesn't matter if you're in the suburbs. It doesn't matter if you're in the hood. It doesn't matter if you got a Learjet. You got a Corolla. You got a Jaguar. God can use you in any given situation. Pain has purpose. And you are still worthy of God's love and blessings and his reign and his protection. And that's why it's so important to always lean on God no matter what the circumstance is. These are stories featuring everyday women who have overcome some extraordinary obstacles. From Ash Media Network, this is the good news. Welcome back to another episode of the Good News Podcast. Today's story is from Ocean. When we sat down to do our interview, it felt like sitting down with one of my favorite cousins. Ocean felt so familiar to me, maybe because she was so sweet, but also super down to earth. I found myself getting so invested into her story that oftentimes I forgot we were recording. She's such a great storyteller and I am positive that you'll think the same. Here's Ocean. I am Ocean Bailey Cole and I am from Memphis, Tennessee. It's, it's kind of a balance. It's a lot of great culture here, a lot of history here. Um, we have some good food. This is a city where you can really be yourself. I'm really weird and colorful and loud. So um, I can walk around with my pink hair one week or my green hair one week or look like a, a rainbow. And everyone's like, cool, I like that. I really didn't have a good childhood, but I was academically involved. I was very smart. Um, I channeled a lot of my emotion into school. I had a very abusive childhood, uh, mentally, physically, and emotionally. Just a lot of moving around, not a lot of stability, um, just kind of feeling lost. I actually fell into depression as early as 10 because I was a really sheltered kid. Couldn't go outside, couldn't play, I didn't have friends for long. Mom was always like, in the house, can't go outside, stay away from boys, you'll get the ick. Oh my God, you'll die if you go outside. Type <laughs> so I used to be like, Mom, why can't I go outside? Why can't I have friends? And the very thing that she tried to protect me from actually happened. But mom never told me that there are good men and there are bad men. I had a very voluptuous body at a young age. A 16-year-old boy raped me in an abandoned apartment in our the apartments that I was living in. It was very brutal. I was 12 at the time and I was a virgin. It changed my childhood a lot because I kind of went back on an even stricter lockdown. I was already on lockdown at home with mom, couldn't go outside, couldn't have friends, couldn't have sleepovers. So now I'm at school and they're like, you can't walk home anymore. And I'm like, what? Like, this is my only free time to make friends because when I go home, that's it. So I couldn't walk home anymore. Uh, I feel like the president <laughs> had security and principals everywhere. Like, you need to go to the restroom. Like, dang, I can't go to the restroom no more. Or how are you feeling? How are you feeling? I'm like, I just don't want to talk about it. And 
the kids are cruel. So they found out. They were like, oh, you're just being whore. Or you're being fast. Or like all types of stuff went around. Like I had STDs. I had AIDS. And then like, it's like, now I don't want to go to school anymore. But school was my safe space. I was a really quiet kid, but I ended up being popular, which wasn't what I was expecting because people liked my name. My name was Ocean. I was definitely a geek, but I fit in with everybody. All types of populations of kids, sports, the nerds, the geeks, the jocks, the cheerleaders, um, Asian, white, black, it didn't matter. I, I fit in. And for the first time, I felt, felt seen. I felt comfortable. Although the abuse continued at home, it was kind of like, you know, when I'm at school, I'm that girl. The academics just went up from there. Uh, I ended up being like student body president, student council. Every semester, I ac academically excelled um, until I got into the National Honor Society. Um, and then that's when the health stuff started coming in. I had a benign mass to grow on my breasts. It was the size of a grapefruit. At 12, I was the youngest person in the surgical ward and they started coming back every two years. So then I had my second one in my in the opposite breast at 14. So my childhood has just always kind of been like, I'm living in this neighborhood, I'm living in that neighborhood, or I'm living back with grandma. My mom was never really around. So I had my first child at 23. When we met, we were 19. We had our first child at 20, 22 going into 23. That was my first time being in a serious, serious relationship. At first, it was like I met him. He was established. Everything was together. He had a job. He was doing well for himself. He got engaged. It was kind of like, why not? If we're going to get married, we decide that we're going to be together. I'm all for it. The first sign that I should have paid attention to, we were going down a winding road. And he was like, hey, watch this. And he turned the freaking headlights off. Going down a winding road, it pitch black dark. So I was like, in my head, like, he could have killed us. We could have ran into something. Somebody could have hit us. We could have ran out the road. But me only being a childish 19-year-old, I'm kind of like, okay, playing it off. Like, ha-ha, okay, cool. <laughs> like, don't do it again. That was the first time I should have probably left. But I didn't. Just being a naive kid, trying to create a family of my own because that's something that I longed for. It wasn't until our first year into the relationship, I started catching him doing things like cheating, um, talking to other girls. I would confront him about it. It was funny to him. And by me having the type of relationship that I had with my parents, I didn't have anywhere to go. So I had to deal with it. Um, that was my only source of housing. I dealt with it and um, I had no sense of responsibility because it was never taught. I didn't know how to be like, hey, Ocean, this isn't healthy. Figure it out. You got to get out. Go get a job. Go get a car so you can, you know, move on from this. I just thought I had to deal with it because I associated abuse with love. It was it was taught. I was conditioned to believe that from my mom. It was always um, being called out of my name and then apologizing or hitting me and then apologizing. She, she's not liable for what she does in her anger. That's the type of relationship, the relationship I had with my mom. It was like, you know, I'll hit you. I'm sorry. I love you. It'll never happen again. So when I got into relationships, I truly felt like if they apologized, they meant it, not realizing that it was the same pattern. So he would apologize and do something else. And in my mind, it wasn't anything 
too critical because he wasn't hitting me, not realizing that I was emotionally and mentally being abused. So he would say things like, um, well, you don't have to be here because I have somewhere to go and you don't. And I have a car and I have family and blah, blah, blah. And that would hurt my feelings because it's like, you know what I'm going through. You know the history that I have with my family. And it was also kind of, it was also always like a thing like, well, I'm the reason why you're able to eat. I'm the reason why you have somewhere to stay. When the physical abuse started, I caught him cheating and I asked him about it. And I guess he was embarrassed in front of his friends. So he just took his hand and like mauled me across the face. Like a tiger would scratch. It happened so fast, I kind of sat there and then I started feeling cold blood. And I instantly pulled the visor down and looked because we were in the car. And my face was just, it was bloody. It was, it was slashed open. And so the whole ride home was quiet. And I was just so numb and in shock. I was just sitting there like, I can't believe this happened. And it put me back in a traumatizing state. It reminded me of my mom. I remember calling my mom. I would tell my mom, you know, like, hey, mom, I need help getting out of this relationship. And it would always be like, oh, dang, well, I'm sorry you're going through that, but you're on your own. And now being a mom and having kids of my own, I would never in a million years understand why my mom treated me the way she treated me. And I get pissed at my kids, but I would never smack my child or punch my child or um, belittle my child or call them out of their name. And I have boys, so I have to do everything in my power to make sure that there are men who could effectively and officially express their emotions without going to jail, beating up women, or just being angry black men. I ended up getting pregnant and it's always like that when you're ready to leave and you're like I'm done something is like oh uno reverse no you're not that's when I started to create my first plan to get out of that first relationship I was able to gradually save money I was able to get a car and he thought this he thought this was funny I was kind of like oh shoot it's you and the baby now he don't care about y'all you can't care about him and one morning he wants to show out in front of his friend and decides that he wants to slap me with my baby in my hand. He was like, you're not going to be anything without me. You can't do it without me. I said, you're going to come home one day. We're going to be gone. So I literally started packing my stuff up, moving it to the front. And every day he passed my stuff, he, he laughed. It was so funny to him. That day we left. I moved on with my baby. I created that life for us. For about three years, three years from the time that I broke up with him, it was just me and my baby. I was like, okay, finally got some stability. I'm learning how to be an adult. My baby is happy and healthy. Found out that he had autism, so it made things a little bit more challenging, but it was fun to see him progress. And at that moment, that's when I came up with the ideology of if he can do it, I can do it. If he's just a one year old baby that can go through therapy and get stretched and pulled and pushed to his limits to be better then I know I can do it. And so everything was great. I got a good job. We were having the time of our lives. And that was the first time that I encountered, I'll call him D. I just call him D. We're actually in a training class together. I didn't think anything of it because I was so blissfully happy being single and stable. It was just kind of like, if I meet somebody, I meet somebody. If I don't, I don't. I'm not pressed about it. 
I saw him every day in training. And what made me notice that he was more and more attracted to me, he'll come over, he'll talk to me, he'll make eye contact. It took it took a while because it's not that simple for me. You got to really show me why. You can't just tell me, well, I'm different. You got to prove yourself to me, especially with all the things that I had gone through. And then I have a kid, so I just can't be dating anybody or having anybody around my child. So he was very persistent, which made me like him. So we were going out on dates more and more. And then eventually it went from us not spending so much money to me eventually inviting him out for dinner. And then we just started seeing each other more, hanging out more, being official. He showed me nightlife and I didn't get a chance to do any of those things being a young mom. What really made me decide that I was in love with him was when he prayed for me. I'm very big on prayer. And I was going through this really difficult time. And I remember getting so frustrated. And he was just like, You'll, you know, it'll be okay. Um, don't let this defeat you. You've made it this far. And he was just like, let me pray with you. And I was like, pray with me. Okay. Mm-hmm. It was just this unwavering feeling of comfort. It just rushed through my body. The ball was rolling after that. And that's when we decided that we were going to move in together. I'm here again, trying to build a family with another man. I'm praying to God that this is it. A year went by so fast, and now we're talking about marriage and a baby, and I'm just kind of like, I could see that in the future. We wasn't rushing it, but we definitely talked about it. I want to say into the second year is when I started to really, really pick up on the shift in the relationship. His attitude changed drastically. Um, He seemed to be emotional a lot, closed off. He would say something with so much force and emphasis and confidence, and then you repeat it back, and he would swear up and down he didn't say that. Then one day, he came home from work, and he just locked himself in our spare bedroom. I'm happy to see him. I'm like, hey, I'm running to the door, and he just slams the door and locks it. What is going on? And he just ignored me. The next morning, I woke up, and I was just like, something is off. And I looked at him. I said, you hiding something from me. I said, you hiding something from me. I said, I don't know if it's a woman. I don't know if it's some kids. But you hiding something from me. Time went on. We'll have a little argument here or there. I was like, okay, Ocean. You just got too many hunches. You don't feel comfortable anymore. It's time to go. I moved and we had an extra bedroom in bathroom. I literally moved out of our bedroom and bathroom and into that because I was just like, something ain't right. I, I don't even want to sleep in the bed with this man no more. It's just, I just felt icky. He always had this malicious type of aura about him. His body language and facial expressions was changed when he was malicious. I knew about, he had, um, he ended up telling me, I knew he had one daughter to my knowledge. At the time, she was 13. The day that I found that I was pregnant, he told me that he had other children. And at, that's when I start, when I created the plan. I said, you know what? He's going to have his baby. He's going to save some money. You're going to heal. And you're going to go. Yeah, so I had to secretly open up a bank account, put money in there. I had another phone because he would do things like turn my phone off or take my phone. Um, I had a backup plan for like hotels and things like that because I had gone through all that stuff with him before. 
I get us dressed. I put on our shoes. He snatches my shoes out of my hand. I, I go put on another pair of shoes. And he's just like monkeying around like, do you see me? Do you hear me? Why won't you talk to me? And I'm just like, there's nothing to talk about because you don't want to talk. You want to argue. Let me and my kids out the house. We had the type of uh, we had the type of doors where you had to unlock it to get in and get out, like the storm door and the wood door. We had one of those doors, so he would like beat me to the door or prevent me from getting out and then leave and just lock us in. We get out the house. He pushes my son. I bumped up against him. I was like, "The kids don't got nothing to do with this. Now you finna piss me off because don't touch my children." He's like covering over me and like pushing on me and I'm holding the baby so we're literally running around the front yard because I'm trying to get him off of me so I can get in the car he doesn't want me to get in the car so I finally get the door unlocked I had to throw my kids in I couldn't even restrain them in their car seats I just had to throw them in get in the car lock the door crank it up this man jumps on the hood of my car we went over speed bump he lost control I'm revving the engine again let him know I am about to leave there's nothing you can do to stop me from leaving I hit the gas. He lost balance again and I'm jumping on the hood of my car. I hit gas again for the last time and he finally rolled off. I bawled to the police station. I put my flashes on. I went in there. I told him everything that happened. By the time I got there to tell them what happened, he was calling in. He called in to tell them that I tried to run him over with my car and that he fears for his life. And now, a quick word from today's sponsors. I was listening to NPR's Life Kit the other day on my walk, and I was listening to Michelle Obama's episode where she talks about her philosophy on relationships, the relationship we have with a partner, relationships we have with our family members, and even the relationship we have with ourselves. I found myself stopping to take notes because one, she was giving so much good advice, and two, because it's Michelle Obama, right? I'll listen to whatever advice she has to give me. But if you're interested in hearing more stories like this, you have to check out NPR Podcasts. In NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, you'll find a collection of some of NPR's best podcast episodes celebrating the Black experience. Stories of joy, stories of resilience, stories that are as distinct, varied, and nuanced as the Black experience itself. Every episode is a living account about what it means to be Black today, told from a unique Black perspective. Listen now to Black Stories, Black Truths from NPR, wherever you get your podcasts. So, as someone that has textured and curly hair, I'm excited to share Clairol's Textures and Tones came out with a permanent color range specifically for curly and coily hair types. Say hello to the improved formula and new look while preserving curls and shine. With 12 shades of brilliant intense color, no ammonia, and stacked with argon and olive oil to deliver some much needed moisture and vibrancy to your hair. So if you're my girl that likes a little color to spice up your look from time to time, the new Clairol Textures and Tones was designed with texture and color specialists, and it was created 
created with you in mind. Clairol's mission is simple, to make every woman feel beautiful and confident and help her live colorfully through accessible and easy to use products. Save your time and your money and give yourself a new hairdo. Because it's not the hair color you were born with, but the hair color you were meant to be. Clairol, it is so me. After that, we went to court because I had got a restraining order. They denied the restraining order because he edited the camera footage of me going to the home with police escorts to get our personal belongings. He cut the policeman out. And to the judge's judgment, she felt like I wasn't in fear for my life because I tried to go back home. So she dismissed it. I tried. I tried for months after that happened to get my things. I had one group of policemen that were got him to open up the door but I only had a small car I could only grab what I could so all of our our entire life clothes baby formula shoes my son's uniforms my son's medication my medication my computer my refrigerator my stove everything and I'm just riding around the city in my car trying to figure out where we're going to go and trying to survive As Ocean and I talked, she explained to me all the types of abuse she experienced with her partner at that time. Mental abuse, emotional abuse, and more physical abuse. So I asked her, why didn't she leave the first time? She had already been through this before with someone else. Why did it take her so long to leave? There was never a time that I didn't want to get away. I couldn't for a long time. And it's hard when you have children because he would do things like keep one of the kids I'll be like I'm gonna take the kids to the grocery store and not come back he'll keep one of the kids so I couldn't do that so a complete year went by and I had no contact with him outside of an email that I know he uses and I did email him a few times to let him know like you know regardless of our relationship we still have a child together um we can come up with the plan to co-parent you don't have to see me I don't have to see you if I didn't have to have your mom to meet my mom to get some things that's fine, but I'm not going to force you to be a dad. No response. No response for a full year. Ocean had alluded to me that her previous partners had exhibited traits of those who exhibit narcissistic behavior. She told me that it's something she's come to understand in therapy and given her experience, can spot the signs of a narcissist from a mile away. So I had to ask, For those of us listening, how can we be more mindful about engaging in a relationship with someone who might be a narcissist? And what are the signs we should be looking for? Very drastic mood swings. If you guys have been watching a movie and you've been lovey-dovey all night and all of a sudden he's pissed at the world, something is wrong. They deflect. They belittle you and they pound you and they hound you and they degrade you and they talk to you like you're scum on the bottom of a shoe but the moment you ask them why they feel that way or you repeat something that they say they get upset they flip it back on you they don't want to be accountable lack of accountability emotional intelligence definitely um it's like kryptonite if they can if you can um emotionally outsmart them in a situation where they're looking to emotionally destroy you they do not like it it could be like oh well you pissed me off and you hurt my feelings well you slapped me and I went to go to bed and you're mad because I don't want to talk to you narcissistic 
They use their past as the way to draw you in. Trauma bonding. Trauma bonding is another sign. Love bombing is another sign. If you have just met this person, you guys have been dating for two years, uh, two months, and they magically love you, and they can't tell you why they love you, they're in love with you, they want to be with you, run. Just the, the, the minute you get an inkling that you don't feel comfortable or something is off, don't second guess it. And it's hard sometimes because they're very charming and they make you fall in love with them and then they make you feel safe. But they have a way of really you in and pushing you back. Really you in and pushing you back. Um, also, withholding affection. Withholding affection is very, very narcissistic. Um, you, you tell me I'm beautiful, you love me, um, you're, you're the only person I ever want to be with, and then one day you're just cold. I don't exist. You hate my existence, you hate my being, and there's no reason why. They're very, very, they have a lot of emotional irregularities because they're not living in their truth. It's hard for them to keep up with a lie for so long because some, sometimes people catch on and they're going to always be a victim. There'll never be a time where they'll be accountable for anything. Nothing that they've done, what they're doing, how they make you feel. It's, it's me, 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 me. I asked Ocean, for someone who may be going through this right now, What's some good advice she could give? And for someone who isn't going through this, but maybe dating or in a relationship, and they can still learn something valuable from you, what's the best piece of advice you could give them? Always choose you first. Never stay in a situation where you feel uncomfortable. If you ever have to second guess yourself, listen to yourself. You should never be in a situation where you question does he love me? Should I be here? Why do I feel like this? If you can't effectively communicate your feelings to this person and you get some type of resolution, then just leave. You don't have to explain anything. Just go. Always, 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 no matter if you're married or in a relationship, have a backup bank account. Put money up for gas. Put money up for food. Put money up for shelter. I have an emergency kit in my car. I have a bag with water, extra clothing, blankets and cash never let anybody know what this for if it's someone that you trust and you feel safe with always let them know where you are at all times share your location with that person write down important numbers and information for that person whether it's a pin number to a card whether it's a family member or friend's phone number and don't be ashamed to let them know your um, location keep your location on um, make sure this is somebody that you can trust let this person know what you're feeling and what you're going through so that they will know. If you have to come up with a cold conversation for you to be able to speak about needing help in front of the narcissistic abuser, do that. Have this person to meet you. Uh, it could be something like, let's have, dinner at, let's have dinner at McDonald's. They know that that means to meet me at McDonald's. Bring the police. <laughs> help me. Build a team. And if you aren't able to build a team because I didn't have the support, like I said, make sure you have a backup plan. Love does not supposed to hurt. If someone is telling you that they love you and they care about you, but they're constantly hurting your feelings or putting you down, break up with them. It doesn't even have to be a narcissistic situation. There's no way you should be telling me that you love me and every time I see you, I cringe. Or you feel like you need to walk on eggshells in a relationship. You're supposed to be free and liberated in a relationship because at the end of the day, you're still your own individual person. You should never have to dumb yourself or water yourself down to be with somebody. Just put your feelings to the side. Don't judge your situation. 
Don't tell them they should just leave. It is not ever that simple. Take them seriously the first time. There have been people that have died trying to get out of abusive relationships and weren't taken seriously. That could have been me on so many different occasions. We can be selfish people sometimes. I understand you may not want to be involved, but if you know there's someone that could help, please help them. Pain has purpose. The butterfly effect came from a personable place. When I went through the abuse, I didn't have any friends or family or resources. So I came up with the butterfly effect, and it's a fairly new um, nonprofit. I'm still going through the processing of getting my 5013C, but I am still taking, accepting people who need help. Um, we take monetary donations. I do have a Patreon. We also take um, clothing, toiletries for infants on up until adult sizes. Pads, toothpaste, diapers, wipes, gently used clothing, shoes, whatever you can think of that will help someone who just has to run. We don't have time to grab clothing or food or anything. We just have to go. So my goal is to gather these things. Um, if I have to find the people or the people are referred to me, help them get a care package. We'll get them some clothing. We'll get them some food. We'll get them resources if they have children, if they need help with daycare. Um, I have other people that I'm able to, that I'm working with. Um, and I have resources to provide. So I can let you know what places you can go to, like the Family Health and Service Center, where they help sheltering. They could help you get a restraining order. Um, Smart Steps programming, where they can help you pay um, either a small deductible portion for child care or they'll pay the whole thing. Um, I also have resources to help you get hotels and, and shelters so that you won't be out here on the streets. I have another business as well called the Blooming, the Blooming Lotus Lifestyle and Wellness Company. That's where I help with healthy coping mechanisms. We come in, we do breath work, we come up with a meditation plan, we do sound healing and aromatherapy to help you woosah through your PTSD. Um, I also have a cognitive behavior therapy certification. I also have a professional life coaching certification and a meditation facilitator and coach certification. So we'll help you get through the PTSD. We'll help you get through the trauma. This is a safe space if you just want to come in and lay down and drink some tea for hours. If you just want to come in here and read a book. Um, if you need a sensory processing massage, um, kids are welcome. I have little sensory activities for them too where there's finger painting or they have puzzles. It's just a safe space to, to get out of your head and to help you build cope, healthy coping mechanisms so that you won't sit in self-pity or self-sabotage or keep going back to that, that place um, where you're mentally just, just feel like you're mentally incapacitated so and what a purpose that is right ocean's been through a lot but i have to tell you she smiled through every part of this interview and shared her most awful most vulnerable moments with us with grace so as a final question i asked her after all of this what did she learn what good came out of this what was the good news I'm still blossoming. I'm still a beautiful person. I'm still a deserving person. Um, and I, I have the right to be treated the way that I feel like I should be treated, regardless. Don't water down what you deserve. You are not damaged. You are damaged goods. You can still be used and loved. It's just like recycling. It has been used and abused. <laughs>
<laughs> but we love it. It doesn't matter what someone told you. You'll never have. You'll never be. Turn your scars into beauty marks. You're still deserving. You're still worthy of love. It's okay to still heal through the process. I'm still healing. And you are still worthy of God's love and blessings and his reign and his protection. And that's why it's so important to always lean on God no matter what the circumstance is. We have to go through things to get where we need to be. Sometimes it's not pretty, but pain has purpose. And so take that with you with every aspect of life. It doesn't matter what your finances look like. It doesn't matter what kind of car you drive, where you live. It doesn't matter if you're on welfare. It doesn't matter if you got a million baby daddies. God said you deserve these children and he had to get them to you the way that he had to get them to you. But you are worth it. It doesn't matter if you're in the suburbs. It doesn't matter if you're in the hood. It doesn't matter if you got a Learjet. You got a Corolla. You got a Jaguar. God can use you in any given situation. Just So just continue to be you. The good news about this is that I prevailed. I came out on top. I have been battered, I have been broken, I have been scarred, I have been traumatized, but I'm alive and I'm well today, and I'm able to tell my story, and I'm able to help other people who are going through the same things, and I'm here to um, for pre- prevention as well. Um, it could be someone that's listening and feel like they may be in this circumstance, and I really hope that my resources in this podcast today helps them see the signs early on so that they can save themselves and help themselves. Because I was never alone. I was in my thoughts, in my fear, in my lack of faith at that time. Because I allowed my emotions to overpower the stillness that I should have had when God was comforting me in that moment. Because if God wasn't with me, I wouldn't be here right now. If you or someone you know has experienced domestic violence, click the links in the description of today's episode to learn more about your local services that may be available to you. The National Domestic Violence Hotline is listed in the description and you can call or chat at any hour, day or night to learn more about the Blooming Lotus Lifestyle and Wellness Company or to learn more and donate to The Butterfly Effect. Click the links we provided in the description. The Good News Podcast is a collection of personal stories told week by week with brand new episodes every Wednesday brought to you by Ash Media Network. And remember, with every bad day, there will always be a good day to follow. With every obstacle comes a victory. There is always something good to look forward to. Good news is always on its way.